Well, hello, and welcome to another edition of the e-commerce evolution podcast. I'm your host, Brett Curry. And today I am absolutely excited to welcome a, a very well-known guest, a guest that's just all over the media. You see him in documentaries and interviewed on the news and all kinds of other places. This episode is brought to you by e-commerce influence. If you enjoy my podcast, you've got to check out e-commerce influence hosted by my friend, Austin Bronner. Austin interviews world-class e-commerce operators like native deodorant founder, Moise Ali, Movement Watches CEO, Jake Kassan, and Pura Vita bracelets founder, Griffin Thal. He deep dives into what's working right now to scale your business, and he offers a refreshing break from the crush it culture plaguing our industry. The e-commerce influence podcast will not only change your perspective on building your business, It'll change your perspective on what's possible for your life. I've known Austin for years. He's the real deal. And he's someone you need to listen to if you're serious about growing your business. Check out the e-commerce influence podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. My guest today is Jason Boyce. And Jason is the founder and CEO of Avenue 7 Media. You'll hear more about that in a minute. Also, he was a, a top 200 seller on Amazon for over a decade. And uh, he also is the author of a, a new book with his co-author, Rick Cesare. And uh, the name of the book is The Amazon Jungle. It's a fantastic read. Um, and also, Jason was interviewed on a, on a recent Amazon documentary, which is a, a must-watch. We'll talk about that in a minute as well. We're going to dig into several things related to Amazon to better equip you to dominate on Amazon and better understand it. And so with that, uh, with that quick intro, Jason, thanks for taking the time, man, and welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, Brad. It's great to be here. Um, I feel like we're of like mind here. You've, you've got this great agency and I'm trying to build one. And so it's just, it's always yeah. great to talk to colleagues. It, it is, it is. And it's been fun. We've been able to catch up a couple of times. And of course, your co-author, Rick, is an awesome uh, he was on the podcast uh, uh, maybe a couple years ago, talking branding and stuff. Uh, but yeah, you, you can tell like you built your Amazon business the right way, building your agency the right way, and so it's, it's fun to, to to talk shop for sure. Absolutely. Uh, so so I think just as a great background, because I know you know anybody that's this deep into the Amazon game knows that hey, you were a top two hundred seller for over a decade. That's a big deal. That's like a huge deal. So uh, can you kind of walk us through you know kind of the ninety second version of of what you sold on Amazon, what that looked like, and you know why you kind of got out of it. Yeah, sure. Um, I actually started as an e-commerce direct-to-consumer website called SuperDuperHoops.com back in two thousand and two. Now, I and didn't ask you are are you are you a hooper? Because I, I love basketball. Did you did you like? I, I played in high school, and I, I played in high school. And my brothers and I, who I founded the business together with, were huge Laker fans uh, nice. here in LA. Nice. So uh, so yeah, it was just a good fit for us, and we played a lot of pickup games, and so it was just a really fun fit for us. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. we, and, and we, um, we were doing direct to consumer e-commerce and we had connected with this company called Overture who invented pay-per-click advertising. They had they a little sure office did. in Pasadena. Sure well, yeah, little and, known uh, fact now, but Overture started the PPC game. That's right. And then they were bought by Yahoo and Google had to license the technology after a court battle uh, and turned it in and perfected it into AdWords. And so we were all over the search engines at the time. Uh, a year later, Amazon picked up the phone and called us and said, hey, we want you to sell your products on uh, on our website. And I was like, what are you talking about? You guys sell books. And um, because I had no idea that they were moving into the sports and outdoors category, which is where we spent a lot of our time later on moved into toys 
and then also into some household categories, but mostly in the sports and outdoors category. Um, made every mistake you can make, Brett, and learn from them <laughs> yeah. over the course of 17 years. You know, had an exit and took a lot of those learnings and the playbook that we lay out in the book, The Amazon Jungle, uh, with my co-author, Rick Cesari. And um, now we, we, uh, we fancy ourselves a champion for brands uh, with Amazon because you, you kind of need a... You need a um, you need a warrior to battle Amazon these days, and so we we help brands. Uh, it's very similar to what you do at your agency, um, double, triple, quadruple, or take off on on the Amazon platform. Yeah, I love it, and and you're right. You do need kind of a warrior in your corner, and really, <laughs> I like I like how you and Rick work together because you know, I think really the kind of the the next evolution of successful Amazon sellers are going to be those that that build a brand, right? That build an identity, and not just a I'm private labeling a product and, and creating a great listing on Amazon and going to try to get rich with it, but I'm creating a brand that consumers resonate with and that that has a following and that that has value in the eyes of the consumer and also value in the eyes of Amazon, right? That's that's going to be useful. And then and then you know Amazon inside and out, and and uh, so that it's a great it's a great uh, tag team there. I think uh, with with you guys for sure. Yeah, I mean Rick has forgotten more than I know about branding. He's, he's you know he's built billion dollar brands with a B, uh, you know, I, I built eight figure brands on Amazon, but his, his, his tactics, and we share a lot of them in the book, um, you know, they, they tap into human nature mm-hmm. and yeah, sort yeah. of this science or psychology of selling, if you will. And it doesn't matter if it's direct TV ads, which is where, you know, Rick really cut his teeth and be, became famous. Um, but whether you're selling online direct to consumer or on Amazon, a lot of those sort of strategies still work yeah. um, because the human mind really hasn't changed much in the last, I don't know, millennium. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, and likely won't. It just some of the tools and mechanisms and channels and platforms change a little bit, but at the core, human nature is the same. And a lot of the core branding principles are the same. It's just kind of the way you execute that that really has, has evolved. And so um Let's let's do this. Just like quick takeaways from the book. Like, who is the book for? And just a couple of highlights we may touch on as we go too. But I would love to hear that that quick take. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Really, the the book boils down to there's two elements of the book talking about what is this Amazon thing, how big is it, and then uh, basically we say you know the premise of the book is Amazon's not your friend. You have to be on Amazon right. because that's where now I think 60% of the online market share is after COVID. Um, and if you're going to be there, learn from my mistakes over more, you know, nearly 20 years of, uh, of iterating on the Amazon platform and follow our strategy. And the strategy is like you pointed out, Brett, the game, the long game on Amazon is you have to have your own brand. You have to have great products. You have to be listening to the customer and iterating on what they're saying or they don't like about your product and making it better. And then, you know, we we walk you through everything from, you know, coming up with a product idea, uh, a branding branding strategy, and then all the technical basis for launching on Amazon. So if you're brand new, you you're, you're, if you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, and you want to start a product company, um, the book is great. If you are selling in brick and mortar retail or through DRTV and you want to learn more about a successful strategy on how to sell on Amazon, the book is great for that as well. So, and you know, I got to tell you, one of the most surprising things for me, Brett, when I started the agency and, and, you know, wrote the book was I didn't think that Amazon sellers who were doing seven figures could benefit from me because I figured they knew everything. I am amazed at how many of these sellers we've taken on and doubled their, tripled their revenue because, you know, to be honest, they just 
they're so busy, right? And they, they have so many other parts to focus on with their business. So to have an agency like yours or like mine to come in there and really double down on best practices, existing Amazon sellers can really launch their business as well with the help of an agency. So it's been really quite a learning for me over the last two years and been enjoying the heck out of it. Yeah, it's awesome. And maybe we can get into some of those kind of mistakes that you see as, as you're working with with other successful sellers. And then, yeah, you were kind of making mistakes back when they were brand new, right? You had to make mistakes because <laughs> you were kind of one of the one of the first, right? And so, uh, but now people could and should learn from that. Um, and, and so, and actually, while we're on the subject, like, can, can you pick maybe two or three, like, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see sellers making on the Amazon platform that can be fixed pretty quickly? Well, you know, the first thing, whether you're a small brand or a big brand, I think stay away from 1P. Stay away from the vendor central world if you can. Um, there's, some, there's some definitely reasonable use cases where it makes sense to be in 1P. For example, one might be if you have if you're selling to Walmart and you have no control over your retail price and you don't care, give that product through the vendor central platform. You know, I, we we clean up a lot of folks who are on one P but really shouldn't be and move them over to three P and it's a tricky dance to it's do dance, that right because I mean, Amazon can get pretty angry about that right they can they can claw you back stuff. Yeah. they can absolutely claw you back so you have to be really careful about how you do it. Um, and so, you know, just picking the right way to sell on Amazon is sort of step one. And then second, um, not having a decent policy, seller policy for your brand uh, to make sure that you're the only one in your own buy box. That, that's really, really important because if you are selling wholesale to other sales channels or distributors, and then those guys have the ability to attach to your hard work and listing, not only are you going to lose sales and profits, but you don't get 100% access to the data needed to improve your listing. And so channel control is, you know, be on Seller Central. Channel control is really important and laying down a solid foundation so that you can prevent folks from attaching to your listings. Um, and then the other, the, the, you know, I would say the third thing is these listings are, are never, you know, you, you can't set it and forget it. Yeah, right? yeah, I, totally. I, I, And I just talked to a potential client earlier this week and they're like, yeah, we launched these things up. We're doing seven figures. We haven't done anything with it in, you know, three years. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to triple your revenue. Uh, <laughs> let's let's get going, right? Because you have to constantly optimize. Optimize for SEO. You have to constantly optimize for merchandising so that all these great feedback, all the negative feedback that you're getting or comments um, through the review system or the seller rating system can be put forward and upfront on your listing. So if you're doing that continually, then you'll have much more success rather than just setting it and forgetting it. Yeah, it's such good advice because I think some people can kind of be lulled to sleep a little bit by success or by what seems to be success. Like, hey, it's a seven-figure channel. We're doing good. Like, we're selling. Eh, don't need to do anything else. When really they don't understand that there's so much more that could be gained there. And, and if you build it, nurture it, optimize it, you know, you're succeeding because Amazon is so huge. It is likely 60% of all e-commerce, right, by some estimates likely you're not getting the share that you could be getting, you know, if you were doing all the things that you talk about. So, yeah. And, you know, we, we also developed some proprietary software. We call it our early warning detection system. Uh, sometimes sellers just don't know when their listings have been taken down and it's gotten yeah. worse in the last 24 to 36 months, really, really bad. And funny thing about e-commerce, if you're not in stock and your listing isn't live, you really can't sell anything. And 
So, I mean, sometimes we just take over that piece and we're automatically, you know, increasing sales by 30, 40% because we're just giving better visibility to the client about, hey, you're out of stock. Do you know this? No, we yeah, know yeah. you're out of stock in a bit. Yeah. Or your, your listing is down because of an NCX reason, you know, insert whatever reason you're down yeah. for. So. When, when that product is not on the digital shelf, you won't make sales, obviously. So That's find right. out all the reasons why it could be removed or blocked or taken down off that digital shelf and, and just get it there more more free. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, amazing. So uh, you talk about kind of the first part of the book and then and, and, and something we talked about offline too is how big is Amazon really? And I think this is interesting to, to understand, right? It's, under, it's, it's important to understand as sellers or if we're just competing with Amazon, it's important to know. I think there's some myths about Amazon, right? There's still people that believe Amazon's not profitable, right? Amazon's only growing because they don't have to turn a profit, which is actually wildly inaccurate. Amazon is turning uh, immense amounts of profit. Uh, and also Amazon is much larger than they appear because of really some accounting rules, right? And so, so do you want to kind of walk us through how big is Amazon really? Yeah, absolutely. So Amazon is a public company. And every quarter, they have to make reports to the Securities and Exchange Commission about their revenue. And so the revenue that Amazon reports to the SEC is not, does not include the total dollar value of goods sold through Amazon.com. So for example, you or I, Brett, we, through our Seller Central account, we make a $100 sale on Amazon. Um, we're likely, depending on the category, we're going to give $15, that $100 to Amazon. And we're going to take the $100 of, of the sale. So Amazon is not reporting the $100 sale that happened on their website. They're only reporting that $15. Right. And right. that's the like third the, party, the third party marketplace rules for uh, the gap rules, right? The generally accepted accounting principles. You can only report your take on that, which Amazon's 10, 15% somewhere in there. And, and you know, eBay has been reporting GMV forever in their mm -hmm. public documents and others have as well. And um, I, I pers my personal opinion is gross merchandise value. Is, is that gross merchandise like, cool. value? So that's that hundred dollars of that value sold. And you know, Amazon may say, "Well, that's not our sale." Well, when you're when you're taking forty five cents of every dollar of that sale, then I think it should be recorded as part of the sale. And I think. You know, I think regulators and investors would find that information incredibly helpful in their, their investment decisions is, and, and same with the regulatory side. So anyway, my, I think they should announce that. And so I've, I've had the good fortune of meeting a lot of really smart analysts who can extrapolate what that GMV number is. And, um, you know, the, the, gross, the GMV for 2020 by the most recent es estimate from my friend uh, Joe Kazakanis at, at Marketplace Pulse is that Amazon pumped $490 billion of goods sold through their website last year. And which is just insane. And so, and so the breakdown yeah. then, so you get the one P, which Amazon does account for that fully, right? But then you've got the the three P, the third party marketplace, where they're just counting their take rate, 10 to 15%, you know, in, in that range. And and now they're they're more than 50% is 3P now, correct? Do you kind of know the breakdown there? Yeah, so if you, if you break down that number, according to Joe, Marketplace Joe, um, 300, uh, sorry, 300 billion of that 490 is third-party sellers. Hmm. Amazon retail was 190 in GMV. And so three to two ratio, third-party sales versus one-party sales. Now look, there's some folks out there that say that Amazon's going to get rid of retail. They're not. You can't just give away 190 billion on your top line, right? You know, they're not going to do that. Um, but uh, but the third-party marketplace 
in my opinion, is the most important part of what makes Amazon tick. And there's a lot of public stories that say, oh, AWS is the profit profitability, right? That's where the profits come from. But if you take that 300 billion and you pull out 15% of that, that's $45 billion. Yeah. And then if you t- layer on another 10, let's say 10 points for ad spend, right? Mm-hmm. Ad, mm-hmm. ad revenue has become a huge part of the third party seller. You know, that that's another 30 billion. That's $75 billion dollars I don't want to say pure profit, but very high margin very, profit very dollars. And exactly. AWS last year hit about 50 billion. So, you know, why is Amazon not telling that story? I don't think they want anybody to know that the third-party marketplace is a cash cow, uh, number one, because it keeps competitors at bay. But I also don't And keeps think regulators that, at bay, maybe. like uh, That's the did. second part. <laughs> that's the second part. Well, until we started talking about it, right? Until analysts started pushing this information out there. I think regulators are starting to get a good idea that they're massive. And I, I've made this prediction, and so is Joe, that I think Amazon, in terms of GMV, will surpass Walmart's numbers, which is in the $520 billion range, um, but at a much slower growth rate overall, that they will surpass Walmart as the largest U.S.-based retailer in the world this year, 2021. Wow. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, if you look at their percentage growth, and you look at that 490 billion GMV value, it's almost inevitable, right? It's going to be this this year at at some point, Absolutely. Uh, which is just mind boggling because there's still a lot of people that believe, oh, well, Walmart is still way bigger than Amazon. Well, only if you're looking at the the financial reports, you know, as that have to be reported to the SEC, not if you look at GMV. And so, um, yeah, look, Walmart Walmart's last stand is the grocery business, and they're innovating and they're doing some really cool things there. But Amazon's coming. They Amazon are. is are. like a is a runaway train about to, you know, pass them on the tracks. It's just going to happen. And so, so we kind of, we kind of alluded to the, the, you know, keeping reg, uh, regulators at bay and, and, you know, the, the, the um, antitrust uh, business that's coming up. And, you know, I think uh, Google was the first one to officially end up in antitrust court, but it's, it's going to happen for, for Amazon. Do you, do you have any, any thoughts or predictions around that? You know, what should we be watching for related to antitrust and, and Amazon? Oh, wow. I mean, there was just a couple of announcements. Um, the Biden administration, their names escape me right now, but they, they brought in some really heavy hitters uh, to be part of the FTC and part of the Biden administration's team to take a look at big tech, not just Amazon. And Amazon's clearly in their sights, but there, there's no... There's no question in my mind and in my opinion that Amazon has not one monopoly, but two, um, you know, in the, in the AWS space, they have, you know, according to Gartner, 50% market share. And we know from our analysts on the marketplace side, they own 62%, 60% of the online retail market share. So, I mean, they're so massive that they, I mean, what company in history has ever had two monopolies at once and Amazon does. Um, so I, you know, I, I fully expect um, the Biden administration, the FTC uh, to come hard and the antitrust uh, uh, committees, the judiciary committees in both the House and the Senate to come after Amazon and the other big tech companies in a big way. Now, will they be successful? We'll see. Um, I think uh, with uh, uh, Ms. Khan, who was just announced as trying to be the head of the FTC, has some very interesting ideas that the antitrust laws themselves need to be updated before they would take action. And if that happens, if they lay the foundation for new rules and laws in antitrust for the 21st century, then absolutely uh, these companies will be broken up. Yeah, um, yeah. And, 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 that, and that would be the end result, right? Is that you, you see yeah. these companies 
broken up, where AWS has split out into its own uh, business uh, entity and, and, and breakups like that with, with Google and with other uh, tech companies as well. Yeah, and the funny thing about Amazon, if I'm Jeff Bezos, I don't care. Because if that happens and AWS yeah, gets yeah. broken up, you're going to see a three times valuation increase. AWS is actually being constrained in its valuation because it's under the Amazon umbrella. I feel the same way about the marketplace and sort of the, the advertising angles. So um, even the fulfillment network. So I think Amazon maybe internally, again, this is just my opinion. I don't have hard evidence. I think they're preparing for the inevitable, maybe not this year, maybe not next year, but five, 10 years down the road yeah. where these business units are, are already technically standing up on their own, but there's real potential for them to be broken up. Yeah, I think it totally makes sense. And, and you know, one thing that you and I were talking about a couple of weeks ago that I think would be interesting to mention here is, you know, Jeff, Jeff Bezos stepping down as CEO and, you know, and people are like, oh, retirement, you know, going to buy a yacht, sail the world. He's the chairman of the board. Uh, he's going to be very involved, right? So, so what, do you, what do you think this move is really about? Yeah, no, I think this move is about Jeff Bezos wanting to play in some other spaces, but he hasn't left Amazon. Yeah. He's working. Whatever Amazon looks like 10 years from now will be because of what Jeff Bezos is doing today. And as he steps into this less visible role um, as chairman of the board. So he, he likes to look at the future. He's going to you know, push poor Andy Jassy into the hot seat in front of those House Judiciary Committees so he can answer all of those antitrust questions so he doesn't have to. And he's going to work on the fun stuff. And frankly, he's he's brilliant at it. So I'm sure... Why, yeah, why wouldn't you? You'd rather, you? If, if you were an Amazon shareholder, you want Bezos working on, yeah, the next 10 years of Amazon, not answering questions before Congress. So absolutely his crystal poor balls Andy is as good as anybody. Yeah. yeah poor Andy Jesse, uh, you know, his Bezos crystal balls is good as anyone. And, and um, yeah, so, and he's not going anywhere. Right. Yeah. So totally yeah. agree. So uh, I got to watch a documentary recently that, that you and our mutual friend, James Thompson from uh, by box experts and also a prosper show uh, documentary that both you guys recommended. And, and for whatever reason I missed, you recommended it and I watched it and I'm like, Oh, well, Jason's in this documentary, <laughs> which was pretty awesome. And so is James, uh, but talk about, so it's a frontline documentary. Um, talk about the name is escaping me. Oh, Amazon empire, I believe, but talk a little yep. bit about the documentary. Uh, what's it about and why were you in it? Oh, you know, good question. I'm an old guy. So I've been in this game for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I was one of the few um, sellers who has always been willing to speak out against uh, practices that Amazon takes that are, that, are, that are bad news for sellers. And so I think they appreciated that. And again, I've just been around a long time. There's a, that's, that's it. 2003, I was an Amazon seller. There aren't a lot of people who say that. And so, um, yeah, it was a, it was a really fascinating documentary. I thought they did a brilliant job as always well frontline does. Yeah. And it just, you know, to me, when I think of the documentary, the most interesting piece to me, and I don't know if this had anything to do with Jeff Wilkie stepping down, who until just days ago was head of global and the, the and the dot-com business. Um, and and, and Wilkie was the heir apparent. Like everyone believed Wilkie was going to take over for Jeff Bezos when Jeff Bezos, you know, would one day step down. I secretly wish he had because, you know, he's got the consumer experience and I'm from the consumer world. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that Andy Jassy doesn't have enough experience to do well, but I, I really kind of was hoping that Jeff Wilkie would take over that role. But he announced uh, later last late last year that he was stepping down. But there was this gotcha moment in the Amazon empire where, and I, you know, I, I tipped off the interviewers about this product safety issue that the marketplace has. 
Section 230 of the Consumer Decency Act protects platforms like Facebook, like Amazon, from liability for folks selling on their platform or saying things on their platform. Yeah, because they can and, say it's not my product, it's just my platform. So, that's right. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so that the Amazon really didn't have a massive incentive, especially as it rolls out the red carpet to China mainland factories to dump goods on its platform at cheap prices to require product safety. And so, um, you know, so, so, so the interviewers who, who are just brilliant were given 30 minutes, like not 30 minutes in one second, 30 minutes with each of the S team members that they interviewed for the documentary. And I and, had and, to and just real quickly, cause I've heard this term before. So in, inside like the higher ups at Amazon called the S team, what, what, what is the S team? Gosh, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the S team stands for, to be honest with you. But that's like, that's been, like the execs of the execs, right? That's, like, that's, that's top, right. Top the leaders, the leaders of the individual business units that make up Amazon. So, right. um, you know, Andy Jassy was uh, head of AWS. He took it from zero to monopoly status, um, and he was in charge of that business unit. Jeff Wilkie was in charge of global. Um, Dave Clark was part of. Now he's a member. He's taken over for Jeff Wilkie. Um, you know, he was on this team and in, in, in head of, of fulfillment and delivery and, and warehousing and supply chain. And, and so these are the decision makers. These are the folks that set the strategy at Amazon. They're not doing the day-to-day -day operations, but they're developing, hiring the team, putting the message and, and making Amazon work. Um, so that's, that, that's this S team. So, so the interviews from Amazon Empire had 30 minutes that they literally shut shut down the cameras at 30 minutes and one second. And they had I just, a I just got a word. It's, it stands for senior team. So I just- Oh, just senior little, team. Just well, I just learned something. Called the, uh, the, called the Googles and uh, found it. Okay, good. <laughs> well, thank you for that, Brett. Now I know, senior team. Okay, that makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, I thought it would have been something goofier, but yeah, senior team makes perfect sense. And, and, and so I was interviewed by the Amazon Empire folks the, like two days after they had this round of, of, of uh, interviews. And, um, and and they did such a really good job. Uh, the the one gotcha moment that sticks out, and look, they, they, it's about it's a fairly balanced view. Amazon is a victim of their own success. Right. They have done right. this better than anyone. They, they've done so so uh, so they're so brilliant and so amazing in so many ways. Uh, but yeah, they've also made mistakes. Yeah, but it's an American success story. Jeff yes. Bezos is the American living the American dream, right? So, you know, it's really hard to knock them for what they have done in terms of the innovation scale. They're a remarkable company. But they also took a fair and balanced look, I felt, of the dark side. And one of those was product safety. And I just remember there's just this painful moment in the interview with Jeff Wilkie where um, Jeff Wilkie basically admits that we're not requiring safety product sheets, safety testing for, for toys on the platform. Yeah. And um, the interviewer it's says, yeah. how can you be customer obsessed if you're not making sure that the products you're selling on your marketplace don't injure your customers? And it was just like a, uh, you know, it was one of those moments. <laughs> and so that, that's the one thing, whenever I think of the Amazon empire, it wasn't the six hours that I interviewed with them. It's that, uh, that moment, but it's a great overview of the power, the growing um, power of Amazon, how their how their success has been, and and there's a lot of discussion about, you know, some folks that um, could could would hope for more from Amazon, the seller community, warehouse workers, uh, delivery drivers, etc. So it's definitely worth watching.
it's worth watching. It's a, it's a great background. It does highlight some of the, the success, and Amazon is a, is a great American success story, but it does highlight the dark side as well. So, yeah, I think I think it's a must-watch. Check it out, and you get to see Jason Boyce again uh, interviewed <laughs> on the on the on the dock, and it's a it's a great one. So, um, fantastic. So let let's talk more about you know uh, sellers and how they succeed now, and what things are going to look like here over the next few years, but. What what are what are other recommendations you're making, and you can highlight something from the book or just something from from the agency, like where what what do sellers need to be focusing on, you know, in 2021 and into the next few years to to really succeed? And, and you may underscore something you've already mentioned, but um, want to pose that question? Yeah, so I, you know, we talked a little bit about some of the basics. I'm I'm amazed at how many basics escape successful sellers. Yeah. Right? I mean. Click-through rate is a really important metric on Amazon. What are the two things that help you drive click-through rate? Great main image. Does your main image and does your product color stand out on the search results page? Mm. If, it, if the answer is yes, your click-through rate is going to be terrific. If it's not, your click-through rate is not going to be good and you're going to lose traffic and sales and clicks. And then the product title, right? Not only is the product title important for SEO reasons, um, you know, we think, I think you should have three, at least three of the highest volume, most relevant keywords in your product title. And I'm amazed at how many don't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you should duplicate that keyword in another area, bullet points or description or backend keywords or, you know, subject matter. Um, so just those right there are really, really important for success, but it doesn't replace making a great product. Yeah. I still, and I, I hear these stories all the time. This Amazon shopper left this review. They're so terrible. They're evil. They take a defensive stance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Instead of saying- It's the shopper that's dumb. Like the consumer doesn't know what they're talking about. It's not our They don't know what they're talking about. They didn't didn't read this instruction manual. Well, no one should have to read the instruction manual, right? (laughs) So there's there's lots of that kind of, I, I think it's a mistake if you're a product company to not say thank you every time you get a negative review mm. and to identify themes from other shoppers or customers of yours and, and build and talk, you know, put that in front of your product manager. Say, hey, the next time we bring this product in, we need to fix this problem because now we've got six shoppers who took time out of their day to tell us what they would prefer didn't happen with their product. That is really critical. And, you know, that's something that Rick and I um, sort of compared notes on part of Rick's massive success in the DRTV world with, with brands like, you know, the George Foreman grill, OxyClean and all these others is he would pull together for the purposes of recording a testimonial to use in an infomercial. He would pull together real shoppers who paid real money for the product. And he would, he, you know, he would you know, put them in a studio and ask them a series of questions. Yeah. And by the time it's he spoke, fantastic to- way to learn, not only do you get these great videos, which, which we need for YouTube ads and other things, but and you learn so much. Yeah. So, yeah, so. yeah, exactly. He said, by the time I got to the sixth or seventh interview, I knew what was wrong with the product and I knew what was, what they loved about the product. And I ran with that. And I took information of, of, that was wrong with the product back to the brands and say, maybe before you spend $50 million on a TV and came in, you might want to fix this um, before it goes out there. And, and when he told me that, like the lights went off in my head and I'm like, my God, we've been doing that with reviews forever. You know? Yeah. Look, I, Nobody wants to have someone tell them that their baby is ugly, right? But you got to take that information because you can do something about it. 
And we entered into that same process by reading. I personally read for my brand at the time, Harvel. It's been since rebranded under the new owner. Um, but for my brand, Harvel, I read every single negative review over eight years. And whenever I got a theme, we fixed it. And then, you know what? At one point, we started getting four to five stars only. We didn't get any one stars anymore because we were iterating on the product. So that nothing replaces that. Once you get to that phase, the next phase is what can you do on the, on the listing itself? You know, Amazon has, a, I think, a limit, 1,000 pixels they, is their minimum. We do 2,500 pixels. You know, we go way overboard. And we, we want the equivalent of our imagery and our branding for additional images to appear like you're walking into, you know, you're, A, you're seeing, you know, a beautiful premium brand on a high gloss magazine ad, or yeah. you're walking into a premium store with amazing lighting, right, with right. great product placements and settings, right? As opposed to what I see every day on an Amazon listing, which is the equivalent of walking into a, a brick and mortar store with, you know, light bulbs out on the neon sign. You yeah. walk in, the flickering fluorescent lights, some of which are out, and you're walking the shelves and half are empty. And it's just, you don't get that warm, fuzzy feeling. Right, right. right. So, yeah. so we tried yeah, I, was, to I was shopping for just a quick anecdote. I was shopping for a product the other day, and uh, it was actually a pretty well-known brand. And I clicked on their Amazon listing. And this was likely an anomaly for just this one product. But I got to the product detail page, and there was one picture. Like, and I can only see like one angle of the product. I'm like, what is this? Yeah, you want to yeah. be able to like simulate what it would be like in a showroom. I want to pick this up and look at it from all angles and examine it. But it was one picture. And I think there's a lot of successful brands, you know, successful brands that are still doing that with their Amazon listings. Uh, to, to your you point. Know, that, that, that transition from a wholesale brand, would, you know, sometimes nationally known wholesale brand to direct to consumer thought process is really difficult. It is. And, and, and we've got a couple of really big clients that we're, we're helping make that transition. <laughs> and, um, you know, in the old days, they would make a great product. They would give it to a retailer and the retailer would do that. Right, right. But Amazon doesn't do that for you. Hmm. Uh, Amazon is a DIY platform. You got to do this stuff yourself and you got to know how to do it. And then, you know, another lesson that I learned uh, from Rick um, was features tell, benefits sell. Yeah, yeah. You know, at the end of the day, and we were talking about these images, at the end of the day, those additional images should be pushing the benefit of the product. Exactly. And, you know, I, I use this example in the book, but when I first met Rick, we were selling ping pong tables and it looked like a factory spec sheet. It had like one image, you know. I did have a video, but it was an assembly video to which Rick said, boy, that looks like work. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you successfully convinced me not to buy this product. Thank that, you. That, that's right. I, I really don't want it. And so... You know, I took some of, I, I sat at Rick's feet and learned how to do this. And we went from showing the dimensions and weight of the playing field and all this specifications to bring friends and family together as a marketing message. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's what this table is for, yep. for you to have special time with your family and your friends and to build memories, right? That's what this product is for. Very few people care about the thickness of the legs, right? Mm -hmm. And so I see that every day on Amazon still. People are just throwing it up there. They're not sprinkling that pixie dust, the brand, making that connection for the end user. This is what you get when you get my product, right? And so that, I think those are the biggest opportunities still. And we, when we take a brand who's had some success on Amazon and we do these things for them, they double their revenue. They triple yeah, their revenue. Yeah, it's yeah. remarkable. Yeah, that's not hyperbole. That That's no, actual those are real results. numbers. We're doubling, <laughs> tripling sales. Yeah, it that's makes right. sense. And 
And, you know, I think there's always been this, this impact. And I, and I mentioned this book a few times on the podcast, I think but it's called uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear. And he talks about just the power in your personal life of making 1% improvements every day, right? So I'm going to get 1% better in a bunch of areas over the course of the year. If you do that, you're like 37 times better because uh, you're making just these little incremental improvements. And the same can be said about your Amazon listing or any area of business. If, hey, we're going to make little improvements to the product. And, and just like your product where we're eventually going to get where we only get four and five star reviews because we've listened to our customers. We made improvements and we're going to make little improvements on our listing over time. We're going to improve all these little areas. Man, when you combine that together, it has a compounding effect and it's, it's pretty massive. I, I couldn't agree more. And I love that book. And I love how hearing, you know, the stories about how these professional athletes, yeah. you know, half yeah. a percent improvement makes a difference a 1% improvement. And that, and that's exactly the process right. in product improvement. That's yeah. exactly the process in listing improvement. Yeah. And how can I improve my click rate by 1%? How can I improve my conversion rate by even 1%? Like those things really add up. Yeah. Sorry. No, absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, cool. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the agency then. So Avenue seven media, and if I'm not mistaken, Avenue seven is where the Amazon HQ is right in, in uh, Seattle. Seventh Ave. That's day one. building. <laughs> uh, that's where the, like the, the bio, the biodome thing is and stuff. Uh, you mean Jeff Bezos glass balls? That's what I heard. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> yeah, exactly what, so uh, funny story. So a couple years ago, my Amazon director, Chris Tyler, he and I got to fly out to Amazon and, and spend time with the DSP team. We were one of the fastest growing agencies. And so we got invited out. And yeah, we, we heard that that's what it's called. Uh, Bezos, Jeff Bezos glass balls. <laughs> it's hilarious. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what a cool area and uh, some fantastic food down there. It's just, it's a cool spot. Yeah. I mean that, that whole area, last count, they had 45 high rise buildings in Seattle. Wow. I didn't say four, two, five. I said 45. 45. <laughs> That's yeah. insane. Yeah. And now they're taking over Bellevue, which is a sister city next to, uh, next to Seattle. Yeah. And uh, I mean, it's just amazing. And now they're going to do the same thing in Virginia and um, they're, they're amazing. They're a Amazing monster company. for sure. A yeah. monster. Uh, monster. Yeah. And so, um, so talk about the agency. So wh why'd you, why'd you form the agency? What do you guys do specifically? You know, kind of why should someone reach out to you? Let's, let's chat about those things. Yeah. Well, thank you for that opportunity. So yeah, Avenue 7 Media, I kind of learned this a long time ago at the first Prosper show, you know, the Prosper show for Amazon. Absolutely. Sellers, yeah, yeah, yeah. Founded, yeah, founded by our, 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 yeah. our friend James Thompson and, and, and Joe Hanson. And, um, you know, sort of light bulbs went off for me. I was on a, I was on a couple panels. I didn't actually give a talk, but I, I was on a couple panels. And um, after the presentation, you know, as is often the case at these trade shows, there's a line of like 30 people and asking questions like, hey, Jason, this is happening to me. What should I do? And I was like, oh yeah, three years ago, that happened to me. Try this. And they're like, thank you. And then the next person would come and say, I, I'm having this problem. I'm like, oh yeah, this happened to us six months ago. Try that. And they're like, oh, thank you. And they would, I got such massive feedback even after I left the show from people emailing me and saying, thank you so much for that tip. You've, you've changed our life. It, something occurred to me while I was in the midst of building my own big branding company. I really enjoyed that more. I enjoyed helping others, you know, battle Amazon and, and, and succeed on Amazon than I love building my own brands. And so I always knew when I left, you know, my, my previous company that I was going to start an agency and that's what I've done. And, you know, I was a seller. I made every mistake you can imagine. Yeah. And I learned from it the hard way, losing and making my own money. And so we just sort of put all that together. A lot of those strategies are in the book, but we, we put that together and, and adopted those repeatable processes that we used over 17 years. 
And, uh, and you know, we, we've built this agency where uh, we apply those lessons learned. Uh, we help with strategy, but we're also basically your fully outsourced Amazon department. I mean, you know this, Brett. In the old days, you could have an Amazon person. You could hire one person, I don't know, out of college or high school, whatever. Go figure out Amazon and have success. And yeah. you could have success. Because nobody knew then. at that point, yeah. Nobody yeah. knew at that point, right? Yeah. And those days are over. For sure. Um, I, I've got seven different departments with experienced Amazon operators, team leads, in each of those verticals that are necessary for success on Amazon. And you didn't have to do that 10 years ago, but you can't succeed without it. You have to have as many people to manage your Amazon business now as you do to have success on your e-commerce site. Um, yeah. and, and, I, and I think the number's growing. Right? Yeah. I think ultimately it'll be more. It's not getting simpler, so, it's getting more complex. We'll it's getting more complex by the month. And that's what we do. We simplify things and we say, look, you make great products, brand. You give us your brand book. If you don't have one, we'll make one for you. And let us make you a brand on Amazon and we'll help you grow. And it's just been incredibly meaningful. Uh, you know, I, just like a one side story. We took on a client about a year ago and they had had six, seven different consultants or Amazon guys over the years. I'd never seen an account or listings that were so screwed up. It took us nine months to clean them all up. And now they're on a hockey stick growth trajectory. Amazing. There isn't any agency out there. Maybe yours could. There isn't another agency out there that could have done this without blowing it all up and starting over. Yeah. But yeah. we didn't want to lose the history and we didn't want to lose the reviews and we figured out how to do it. And yeah. so that's just incredibly meaningful. And that's what I love about the picks and shovel business instead of the gold digging business. I, I really yeah, like where yeah, I'm yeah. at. Um, and, you know, we, we get better every day, uh, which is hard to say after you've been doing this for 20 years, but we do. Yeah. And it's just really meaningful and I enjoy the heck out of it. Yeah, I love it. And I, and I think there's like a, there's a special, it takes a special personality from a, from a leader standpoint. And then you have to hire the right people to run a successful agency. Uh, but, but, you know, for some people, like I, I'm, I'm with you. I enjoy, I really enjoy helping great brands. I really enjoy the, you also have to be like a servant mindset to, to a certain degree, you know, to kind of help in these areas. And, and yeah, to your point, like we're, our agency is great at the ad side and some of the strategy pieces. We're not a fully outsourced Amazon department uh, to the, to the point like yours is, but, but yeah, I, I have the same mindset. It's just fun to help great brands and to see those, see those turnaround stories for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. And look, and for brands who have that Amazon team who are great, they don't need a fully outsourced department. So they come to you and you, yeah, yeah. you rock them up. You rock the traffic for them, right? Exactly. And the conversions. Exactly. Yeah. 100%. So, so let's talk. So if someone's listening and thinking, man, that's what I need, or I at least need to talk to Jason, uh, how can they best reach out to Avenue 7 Media? Well, look, I'm going to give you my email address. It's Jason. Oh, yeah, Jason, J-A-S-O-N, at Avenue, spelled out, the number 7 media.com. Uh, if you want, you can go to the website, Avenue. Avenue, the number seven media.com. And you can put inquiries through there as well. Um, and, um, and I'm on LinkedIn, Jason R. Boyce on LinkedIn and uh, at J-A-S Boyce, B-O-Y-C on Twitter. Um, I like to try to keep Amazon honest on Twitter and LinkedIn. So uh, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to have you blast. follow and see what I'm thinking about Amazon. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, if you're a brand and you're struggling or you're, you're even if you're having success, let's have a talk and we'll see if we can help you hit that next level. Awesome. Love that. Love that, Jason. This has been tremendously fun. We'll have to do this again as more Amazon news and things come out, which is all the time, but but we'll have to circle back <laughs> up because I know you've always got a really great inside perspective and you know people at Amazon, which helps. And uh, so we'll definitely have to do this again. So appreciate the time, man. This was awesome. Same here, Brad. Thanks for having me. Great podcast. I'm a listener. Keep up the good work. 
Awesome. We'll do. So, hey, check out the book, right? The Amazon Jungle. Check out the documentary, The Amazon Empire. Uh, and with that, hey, we'd love to hear feedback from you. So what would you like to hear more of on the podcast? What would you like to hear less of? Uh, and as always, uh, until next time, thank you for listening. At OMG Commerce, we accelerate growth for some of the most loved brands in e-commerce, like Boom, Native, True Earth, Overtone, and dozens more. If your Google and YouTube ad performance isn't where it should be, if you're struggling with Performance Max, or if you're not scaling like you'd like on Amazon, then we have two ways to help. One, we have amazing resources that are free for the taking, like our top YouTube ads guide with lots of examples, our PMAX checklist, or our Amazon DSP roadmap, plus many more. Or hit us up for a free strategy session. So go on over to omgcommerce.com and click on Let's Talk to request that free strategy session, or click on Resources and Guides and pick the guide that's right for you. And now back to the show.